Welcome to the second digital disability uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of films, The Peanut Butter Falcon and The Wild Box. And with me, as always, uh, uh, the <laughs> the great two doctors joining this uh, lesser one uh, is uh, Alison Wilde and Miro Griffiths. So tell us a couple of lines about yourself, Miro. Uh, so I'm Miro Griffiths. I'm a teaching fellow in disability studies at the University of Leeds. I have a particular interest in disability activism, social movements, how people establish resistance practices. Um, and I obviously have a keen interest in film as well, but maybe as a, as a lay person. OK, Alison. OK, um, I'm Alison Wilde, obviously. Um, I, um, I'm, I've got, I'm doing a mix of things at the moment, including some research on uh, mental health and I do some tutoring as well. Um, um, I have a big interest in screen and, and disability, uh, television and film. Uh, so uh, th these are, uh, it's a big thrill for me to watch films like this, uh, whether they're bad or good. Uh, I do work on other areas, but that's my main uh, medium disability is my main uh, research area. Excellent. And I'm uh, Paul Dart. I did my PhD in disability and cinema and I run a disability arts organisation in the Midlands of England. Uh, so, so let's get on with it. Which one shall we do first? Let's start with the Peanut Butter Falcon, a mainstream contemporary Hollywood film starring, uh, what's his name, Shia LaBeouf and Dakota Johnson and Zach Gottsagen. Yeah. Uh, if I just give us a little rundown of the plot, basically it's about a guy with Down syndrome, uh, a Down syndrome person, as he calls himself, who is in an, in an elderly people's home who escapes and ends up travelling by boat down the deltas of some American state, I forgot what it's called, uh, to uh, freedom and redemption along the line. Uh, it's a couple of hours long, I think. Yep, a couple of hours long. No, one hour 37. Uh, directed by Tyler Nielsen and Michael Schwartz and co-written with the Zach Gotts Sargon as well. So let's start with you, Miro. Uh, well, I, it, it, it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't that impressed with it. It was, it was charming in a, in a sort of you know, Mark Twain story telling um but it, it, it didn't it didn't really do much with regard to disability um but, well with, with regard to engaging critically with disability issues nor should it do but um uh, but again the question is does it is it, is it problematic in its representation disability and i think there was some elements that were, were problematic for me in the in the in the uh representations of uh, to tell people, particularly people with learning disabilities, um, and so also which bits in particular? Um, so I had, yeah, I, I was uncomfortable with this idea of straight away you had the, this disabled character who was going around asking people if they were friends. You saw that at the beginning of his journey as well, in terms of uh, going up to those group of, of bullies uh, and asking them if they wanted to be his friend. Um, of course, then I assumed. That there must be a moment when Shia LaBeouf is going to come back and save him, uh, which he did. So again, you know, the non-disabled person, the non-disabled character has to save the disabled person. Um, and also, there was, you know, that bizarre issue with, with swimming as well. I, I thought, why is there a necessity to illustrate that this this individual needs to be protected from the elements? And of course, 
turned to the to the non-sale person to do that. Um, and also, the, I was there was I don't know maybe I'd be interested to hear what you and Alison think, but it was also that there was this um, hello line around uh, you know people. He had to be extremely strong. And again, you see that in in some depictions of sale people in in films. It, it reminds me of the awful portrayal of people with lent abilities in Blazing Saddles, where you have uh, an individual who who is uh, who has lent abilities but is extremely strong and powerful. And yes, Mungo. also Mungo. 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 Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I also, you know, he's slagging off Blazing Saddles, one of the greatest films of all time, my <laughs> man. But on the you know on the one hand, you've got you've got the you know extremely strong and powerful in in terms of physical strength, but then is also quite submissive, and you see that particularly at the beginning of the relationship between Shia LaBeouf and, and, uh, and Zach in terms of uh, being quite submissive, carrying all his equipment and so on as, a, as, a, as an appreciation or thank you for him saving him on his, on his journey to, uh, to the wrestling academy. And, and it's never problematic. That's the, that's the point, surely. Because actually, yeah. there's nothing wrong with having a character who may be physically strong. But actually, uh, if, if you're trying to be fairly accurate, it... it, it it would occasionally be problematic in in what they do together physically as well, and of course it, it's never problematic on that side. But it is it is beneficial on that side, and only it's a one way street. Which and also don't and also don't forget the uh, you know the, I, I, when I, when I start when they started the journey, I thought there's got to be a moment where, where there's a character with a visual impairment who's going to be enlightened and see into their souls, and of course you get that. With the person that with the house that they stumble across and have a strange baptism in in the middle of the film, which was which was equally bizarre from my my perspective. <laughs> Alison, um, I miss I missed about a minute of that. It went silent. He was uh, just uh, talking rubbish, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it came back when we were talking about blazing saddles, but I don't know what you said for that. But we'll, we'll brush over that. Um, I think I think you're both a bit harsh, actually. Um, I, I didn't want to go see this film. I was put off by the title. Uh, I, I saw it some while ago, actually. Uh, I was put off by the title, so I decided not to go see it. And then I wanted to go to the cinema because I felt a bit rubbish when I was out, and that was all that was on, so I saw it. And I was actually um, quite impressed given that i'd expect it to, expected it to be really bad uh i'd also forgotten that uh leboeuf i'm not sure how to pronounce his name to be honest but anyway i'm not i, I didn't know he was in it and i was quite pleased because i like him but um uh i actually found it given that i had very low expectations quite good on several in several aspects i agree with most of what he says but particularly the blind man actually uh, which seemed gratuitous and uh, and you know uh, just repeating uh, title trope um but um i watched it again because we were going to do this i watched it with my partner uh he liked it at first and then he grew very weary of it um, and I think that's partly because of the reasons you said there, there was a lot of laziness in it. And I think one of the, the big problems he had uh, with it was the fact that they just seemed to uh, basically kidnap him at the end um, and didn't bother us with, with, with uh, how they, they all became a family. Um, uh, but I thought it was kind of good on some respects as well. And I thought... Um, yeah, I, I, the, 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 the thing that I find most, for want of other words, positive about it is the fact that we've got a, a really good 
person uh, with learning disabilities in in a key role, which is is rare, if not you know, not uh, just not there. Uh, um, and I think the film was built built around him, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I did find one of the things I found most problematic actually was uh, the that kind of repeat of those kind of infantilizing special things about um, people with learning difficulties and and Down syndrome in particular. The the fact that the kind of idea that he should realise his ambition to be a wrestler is mm. kind of a bit a bit like the make a wish, uh, let's get this kid to Disneyland type of thing. Uh, so that that was kind of quite problematic, but it, it would have been quite a dull film if it didn't kind of get there. So maybe they should have ended it when he realised when he realised that he wasn't up to wrestling just before he went on to wrestle. Uh, so yeah, I, I generally think I'm, I'm glad it came out. I hate the title, and uh, and I don't like those things about it. But I do think um, it was a really good chance to see um, a, um, a, pers a person, a disabled person, acting and carrying the role off really well. Uh, well, actually, and you, you, I, I didn't really comment on it. I actually thought it was better than I expected it. I agree. <laughs> With you, Alison. Uh, I think, uh, you know, um, uh, Miro's often wrong, so, you know, no, <laughs> in, in this occasion, I think it was about accepting it for what it was. And again, it was, well, I think I mentioned last week, it's about one watching watching the film you're watching rather than wishing it to be something else. Uh, I, I thought it had a couple of, one really, really good moment, actually that I'd not seen done anywhere else that I thought was was quite exceptional, actually. Yeah. And and that's the bit where Dakota Johnson, uh, the, the main female, catches up with them on a beach by some delta or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's discussing uh, uh, the main character with Down syndrome and, and he keeps putting his head underwater so that they can't hear. And, and it's a little thing so that they can have a little chat about him while he's doing something fun or whatever and and actually and he she says you know well you know he can't do this you know we've got to do this for him we've got to do this for him and Shia Booth says stop calling him a retard and she says I didn't ever call him a retard and he says you didn't use the word but everything yeah. you say yeah indicates that yeah. and and if you think about what she's saying and then the way he does that that's actually quite a radical revolutionary moment within a popular mainstream yeah. Hollywood film on, on, on the treatment of people with learning difficulties, which I know Tom Pauline always used to go on about. Hollywood has some of the most radical ideas in it hidden or subtly put into one, some of the most mainstream stuff. And actually that, that moment, and it isn't particularly uh, negated by the narrative in the sense that often you'll get a phrase like that, but the rest of it is kind of like disability inspirational porn that completely negates that. Uh, and I, I thought that that line alone yeah, yeah. was so significant and so different from any other kind of repre representation that you've seen. Yeah. I, I think one of the key problems for, for me with the film and it's true with society, there was no issue of the elderly being 
in this institution. Yeah. Who are who yeah. are disabled just by being elderly. And 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 that, that kind of contradiction within society that it's yeah. it's it's okay to bang up literally in prison certain sections of the community sure. without any regard to kind of independent living, yeah. age being a primary one in my yeah. view. Uh, that I think it would have been strengthened if it had questioned, because it's often about films set in institutions, uh, dancing, uh, well, that dancing one with James McAvoy years ago. Uh, inside I'm Dancing. Oh, That's it, yeah. Worse than kind of, <laughs> they don't actually, they, they're kind of like, well, there's certain disabled people who deserve freedom, but they didn't never question the, the, the actual existence and the ideology of institutions. And, 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 and this, this, this with that just that one line, which I thought was was so good, it, I, I was genuinely surprised. It is a cliched film. It is a fairly standard yeah. narrative. It yeah. is it is uh, Huckleberry Finn. It is all of those things which tap into a kind of American psyche. Uh, so I, I thought it was much better than I expected, and and that line really did transcend the banal in a way that I was. I it didn't did, expect. It did, and 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 the and the scene before that, I think it was was kind of showing the. Uh, it, it was kind of um, encapsulating the the strength of uh, of the relationship between them, which I thought was also quite a rare depiction of of disabled masculinities. I, I mean, you know, it it was quite. I think it was quite honest in that there was uh, an issue of power in there and which kept being repeated by, you know, the I, uh, who's, you know, what's number one rule that, that he, the non-disabled guy is in charge. But then at the same time, I think there's an element uh, of uh, uh, reality in there in that, you know, he has somebody who's newly escaped uh, confinement and, and, and has been infantilized most of his life. He will be looking to somebody. So I, I think he handled those bits quite well uh, in terms of looking at their relationship. But you were also talking about, you know, the kind of uh, American, um, uh, uh, some of the American cultural things that were going on there. And I, I do think it's worth mentioning that usually for, for a film of, of that type, uh, the cinematography is not great, and the cinematography was actually pretty good in this film. I thought mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I did get quite a lot out out, out of that. Uh, I, I agree, and I think being in in isolation, the landscape looked fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I thought that was really good. But but I, it's not that I disagree with Miro. I think you're right in everything you've said, but actually, I think there were moments you could pick out that well. That, to make it more than it was, Miro. No, absolutely, and I, and I and I agree with you on the on the when the when he challenges uh, Dakota on the on the issue of 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 um, you know, referring to, to Zach as a retard all but in name. Um, but what what I thought was interesting was that, yeah before that you've got the example of uh, non-tailed people determining and discussing the future of the disabled character. Do we take him back to the place? You know, do you let him go? And then after you've had that discussion where Shia LaBeouf quite convincingly calls Dakota out for her uh, for her views and and, and practices uh, in relation to Zach's um, it, you know, life and and what and his life choices. But then also it almost regresses because later on in the film he then has to lock um, Dakota in a, in the car in order to stop her from interfering with uh, Zach's uh, interest in in wrestling. So it just it just felt a little bit clumsy and messy. And I think you know I enjoyed you know I enjoyed aspects of the film in terms of 
the soundtrack in terms of the cinematography absolutely agree with Alison's point. I think it was just problems with the storytelling itself. And and whilst I acknowledge that you know I, I might be drifting into wanting it to be a different film, I just think there was some clumsy element in in the way that it's told the story. Even you know even I don't know even to the you know there was there was it felt uncomfortable also in the sense of you know was was Zach be, being a, you know, a an individual with Down syndrome in his character. Was that used as a, as a metaphor then for Tyler to reevaluate his life in terms of his misdemeanors and 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 so-called deviancy? Was an opportunity for Eleanor to to consider her view of what she wants from her life and and the, and also you know her working practices and so on, which then of course ends with them all running off you know to complete their dream to Florida. There's just there's just those issues that I, I felt were a little bit messy and and a little bit clumsy in the writing. Yeah. I, I I would agree, Alison. Yeah, no, I'd I'd agree too. But I, I, it's it, yeah, I think it was weird in that there were lots of just like really, you can't gloss over that moment. But at the same time, they seem to have an idea of how to take some aspects forward. I thought. Mm, yeah. Then so, I, I thought I, again, it was it's a difficult one because I think it because in fact part of the whole publicity for the film is is how it has changed Shia LaBeouf's life through meeting this uh, Zach Gottstagen in the Shia LaBeouf and in fact he was arrested in the making of this film for being drunk and disorderly and it, it delayed the making of it and actually in meeting the guy with Down syndrome has made him reevaluate his entire life to get it back on track etc. Although, have you, do, you, do you know much about his background? Because he has quite an interesting background. There was the film about him that came out uh, last yeah. year, was it? Yeah, just before, wasn't there? Oh, was it just before that? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, but I think that is it. That is a cliche in itself. And I think part of the problem is, is, is uh, so for example, I, I've just done a chapter for a book on being in isolation, actually. Well, a chapter is about 800 words about 60 70 other authors and and talking about how this is this is an opportunity to reevaluate your life and the problem with the reevaluating your life within this film is that it's it's within a narrow context of of kind of like the american dream and a kind of uh normalization which of course normalization does largely come from learning disability uh studies in the in the kind of late 80s 70s 80s but it's not about transcending the normal, and that's a problem for me. I don't think it has the capacity or the intellect to transcend the normal, but just about being a more civilized world in in that within that confines. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm being that clear, but so I think it does. It does make so. For example, in that conversation with Dakota Canning, Dakota, whatever her name is, that I was talking about. She does reevaluate her life and see the errors of her way in institutionalization for someone like him, but not within not, the old people. not within its broader context, uh, and that that's the problem of it for me. Sure, that it, sure, sure. It get it takes one step rather than the three or four that it really could have done to be quite quite revolutionary, and and I think. And that—that's—I think that's at the heart of what you're saying, Miro, is that it goes a bit, but not far enough, and and it then ends up repeating tropes and cliches and stereotypes 
of disability. But I think Alison's point about you know analyzing the film from the from the concept of power is 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 really significant because you do see like you you know you you do see elements where Zach is 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 perceived to be in a, in a very powerful situation, but then equally you see the power shifting. And I think that's that's my issue. With it. It, it it is constantly flowing backwards and forwards, which which is not a problem. But ultimately, it ends with you know the the fix of his life coming from the non-table characters deciding that we'll take him on the journey. You know, they've fallen in love almost through you know through his facilitation um, mm-hmm. of his existence. But then you know it's a case of well we'll take you with us on our you know on our on our decision to to continue our journey. So you know it starts with him being marked differently because you want to get out of his institutionalization and then through the film it feels like actually the the main issue is his desire to have friends and have a family and and be and have value and i think also that issue of value and self-worth is quite fascinating because his value and self-worth comes through a format of pretense pretend pretending which is of course is what wrestling is 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 a form of pretending but then also then it relies upon what once sorry what once once the the, the, the central issue becomes his desire to have belonging. It then relies upon the, the non-civil characters to facilitate that. Yeah, so even, even in that notion of like having a family, it's not his own family, it's this uh, pseudo-constructed one. And I think that's where, that was really, because I thought another you know, kind of standout point, which again, you know, it, it was just frustrating that it wasn't fairly developed in the script, was that recognition of him being abandoned by his family. And he, and he assumes that being abandoned by his family means that he must be therefore the villain in his in his own story in his in his own life and then it's just and then it's kind of brushed over again quite quickly but i thought that was quite a poignant moment that was a way yeah. to to reevaluate why has why why is it tolerated that we will abandon people and lead them to be warehoused in 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 environments where there is a considerable lack of choice and control but also where we deem it acceptable just to throw those who are seen as unproductive or unworthy of society yeah, Alison. Um, yeah, yeah, agree. I mean, that's the mo- that's the moment that that I, I was referring to when they were talking about, you know, whether it was the hero or the villain and all that type of thing. I mean, I think I think to be honest, with uh, in in some ways, there there are problems that 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 um, emerge that this that the film points at. Um, which are huge problematic anyway in the way that we all treat people with with learning difficulties in actually um in actually well what 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 does what what does liberation for somebody in the, in that in his position look like you know um and i i have heard you know in kind of real life formats people uh discussing discussing um you know what what people what people should uh for want of the best word be protected from what should what they should be allowed to do and 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 what i, I don't know what, what does that liberation look like for people with learning difficulties how how do we protect without without actually um without actually uh disappointing as they would have done if he if he hadn't got to wrestle uh, and and allow them the opportunities that they've that 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 they want that feel that they're normalized despite our critiques of normalization so i think there's all sorts of problems anyway that um are actually quite hard to solve which they, it kind of begins a conversation about even if it does then brush over them and make it all happy so so in reality there's a couple of key moments in there that are quite 
are quite challenging and quite original to see in a mainstream Hollywood movie. You know, those two two bits we just mentioned, which I, I think is 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 fascinating that that happened. So let's talk about the ending, both that he goes wrestling and then the bit after that. What what, what did you think of the letting him wrestle kind of stuff? Was that not inspirational porn? <laughs> It was just stupid, really. <laughs> Don't hold back, Alison. It's not a word I'd normally use. It was just—it was just silly. It almost became—it was almost that moment that some films get to where you think, "Oh, let's just finish the film." Yeah, that's yeah. what it felt like. So I—I I, I thought, I, I thought it was going to be worse than it was. So, for example, as as he's about to throw him, and the people <laughs> come in to beat the guy in the head. I thought he was going to throw the person at them and then it wouldn't happen. So actually, <laughs> that he did get his head kicked in, uh, to use a paraphrase, was actually quite good in a way that it didn't double up on the stupidity of it. Uh, Miro? No, I, I agree. I, I, it was, it was for me, I felt inspirational porn. Uh, all that. from I think from the moment where his idol wrestler who's given up on his life uh, I'm sorry, give up his life of wrestling, uh, then comes back dressed dressed as a wrestler driving his car, which I thought was just was, was absolutely nonsense. Um, I think, you know, for me, I thought the film should have, and perhaps it would have been too short, but they could have expanded the bits that we thought was quite significant. I thought it should have ended where he, you know, they go and see the wrestler, his idol, and his, and his idol actually doesn't do that life anymore and has no interest in that, uh, and therefore then doesn't use his sympathy for a disabled person to then re-energize his interest in in um, you know, training training people to be wrestlers, uh, I, I thought you know from that point onwards, I thought that was the most problematic part of the film, and I think I think that kind of started to drag down the whole film then for me um, to, to to its end point, which I that, which I then thought was well, I'm not I wasn't that enthusiastic of spending an hour and a half watching it. I, it's funny because I, I I agree with you both absolutely, but I would add a but. Being an inspiration is, is in, this is awful and I'm ashamed that I'm saying it. If you have some kind of severe impairment, you are, you are a valuable inspiration to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whether you like it or not. And it enables whole groups of people to get up in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I mean non-disabled people. And, and it, it did capture that a little bit in the sense that the wrestler had given up his life was pretty shit he was now a nobody yeah and but he still had something to offer and i think the shame was is that he didn't do it in a more intelligent way and it just became this kind of crass kind of ignorant rednecky kind of thing and the wrestling and the physicality of it but then he also had that notion of, for example, the, the guy he did wrestle with had no problem about really hurting the person. Yeah, that was good. I, th I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, there was a lot of mixed stuff in there. It wasn't coherent and, and it, it didn't deliver anything particularly satisfying. But there were bits in it that you could see that it tried in that actually... It did, yeah. Uh, and so again, and it's it's kind of like I, I I did it was it was enough to kind of like not be too 
inspirational porny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I but, have... but it was as well at the same time. Can, can I just say as well, just on yeah. that point, I thought it was quite interesting because if we go back to Shia LaBeouf, uh, when he challenges Dakota Johnson, I think her name was, you know, on, on that issue of um, infantile, you know, creating the, the infant of, of Zach. Um, but then I thought that I just, it just made me think about now when you were discussing the, you know, the, the, the wrestling scene, when he, when Zach comes out dressed in that ridiculous outfit, um, you know, made up of cardboard and, and tin. And even the wrestler is, is like, what, you know, is muttering under the breath, of, you know, what are you doing parading him like this? It, that, I thought that was quite significant. It's almost like, you know, Tyler Booth has gone back on what he said about don't, don't create the, the child out of, you know, out of Jack's, Jack's experiences mm. and, his, and, his, and his choice and control. Um, and I, I just thought that almost like it was, was, then, was Shire then falling into that trap as well in the way that he, he, he parades Zach, at the, you know, en route to the boxing ring. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 again, I agree completely. But wrestling is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually he bought into that, you know, which I think is just stupid and pointless. Uh, and it was almost like continuing to play the game sort of, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm saying, but I, but I agree. But equally, I think there, there was a bit more that it was it was a bit more challenging than than actually being pure porn. It was inspirational porn, and I'm not denying that at all. But I, I think I think what's interesting is is that they originally wanted uh, the Shia LaBeouf character to die, so that when they're driving off at the end, they go off together alone. You know, uh, Zach and uh, Dakota Johnson, they're just alone. But that was deemed too much for him to have died. I think that's quite interesting. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I would have probably killed him off. Uh, and, and that would have been a little bit better. I think the problem with the business of the industry, there's always the fear of a sequel. Uh, so you can't kill off the main character. Uh, so any other comments? What, anything else from Alison? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I, I, I did think that the wrestler, um, I, I, I don't, well, no, a, I don't think wrestling's stupid. It's not my cup of tea, but I don't think yeah. wrestling's yeah. stupid. Oh. Um, no, I, I meant stupid in the sense that it, it's about showmanship. It's not about. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's a, a, an interesting metaphor to use in in this particular film, as yeah. you pointed out, um, Miro. Um, but I, I did. I, I, I was relieved for the second time to see the wrestler not having any mercy on him. Uh, yeah, I thought. But having said that, I think there were quite a few mixed messages in in the, in the film about about you know the, the fact that the wrestler didn't do that. But and maybe there's an element of class and uh, and intelligence going on there. But but the other people didn't want to disappoint him, so let him so went soft on him. So you know, and in some ways, I suppose that's. A reality of, of of the lives of people with learning difficulties is that they will get people who who who, who refuse to normalise them, and then they'll get others who who compound all that. So it must be a very it must be a very confusing, frustrating world to live in to have so many. Um, um, so many people treating you in vastly different ways, and I think it captured that a little bit as well. Actually, I, I suppose the the question is, uh, you know, just reflecting on what both you're saying about, particularly about the the wrestler uh, in the in the ring, it's you know, does he does he does he treat him in the way that he treats him in the film, because he sees him as an equal, 
or does he see him as an inferior? Because I got the feeling that he was treating him. He wasn't being soft on him. You know, he wasn't being protectionist around, you know, around the, the brutality of the, of, the, of, the, of the fight. Not because he saw him as equal, but because he saw him as inferior. And, you know, he calls him a retard. Yeah, he, yeah. He, makes, he makes reference to this isn't a kind of a Make-A-Wish foundation trip. Yeah. Um, and I, so for me, it was a case of, you know, I, immediately I thought, oh, this, this is... This is this is interesting, you know. He, he's not, you know, the the the, um, the referee telling him to calm down, uh, his mate saying that, you know, calm down when you're fighting him. But then I just thought, well, yeah, but is it because he sees the person with a learning disability as inferior to himself, and therefore he feels that he can exert this level of dominance? In the, so in the isn't room? he just seeing him as a person, and using the language of uh, of wrestling? Yeah. And just absolutely that. But I think one thing I, I want to talk about one thing more, actually, because Alison has reminded me class. There is a big class thing between, say, the Dakota Johnson thing. There's a big thing made about that she's gone to a university for a Yeah. Uh, and kind of like uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf's uh, kind of, you know, more working class narrative. And, and but equally, the Zach Goldstein character, Gold, Gold, Gottsagen, sorry, I'm terrible on names, is almost classless. Yeah. And and I think, yeah, I don't know what it what to say about it, but I thought that was interesting that the two primary ones were engaged in a little bit of a class battle. Yeah. That was indicative of their attitudes towards Zach. In yeah. the, the, the kind of educated middle class thing is, institutionalization you know what they can't do uh, and kind of like facilities to put them in and the gender battle yeah and and the working class person was much more uh kind of like historically say more accurate in that you know we we were always just part of our community we were different and, and marginalized in different ways but actually that kind of working class acceptance was sort of revealed in a slight way, not excessively, uh, as was the kind of middle class, upper class attitude as well. And I thought that that was that. And again, there's this things in there that that you can take away that are really quite different from anything else I've seen. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a step forward overall. That's my uh, yeah. uh, uh, just we need to keep working on the stories that are told. Absolutely. So, uh, anything else, Miro, on class? No, I've been agreeing to agreement with you. I think there was a general problem with the way they portrayed people from that particular geographical area. You know, it was always uh, it, it emphasised in their portrayal about this kind of sheltered, uh, you know, backwards area. Even even when he goes and buys the food from the grocery store, uh, and the you know the person behind the desk is is saying to Dakota, "You're the most beautiful person I've ever seen." Uh, you know the people he works with and every everything. There was there was a real problem with the way they portrayed uh, the commu- communities in that area. I thought, uh, and I, again, I, I, and I would have thought it. for an American audience that 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 was about class, and there's a lot of class stuff in there to do with American culture as well. You know, so, but you know, I agree. Anyway, let's move on to the whalebone box. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Andrew Cotting and featuring his daughter, which I'd which he described as handcrafted experimental film. Uh, it's kind of, it is very experimental and it's about, 
It's the tale of uh, a friend of his who's got a wire, a box made of whalebone. He was given it 30 odd years ago uh, from a beached whale in Scotland. And it's about the journey to take it back to be buried on the beach where that whale washed up. That's it in essence, but there's loads of other stuff in there. I know you're, you really like this, Alison, so I'll let I you do. start. Uh, well, no, I think probably start with, with the bad things. Oh, go uh, on, mate. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. And I, I am. I, I, what I will say to start with is I liked it so much, so, so much that I am endeavouring to see all of his films out. A, a friend of mine did tell me um, how, how good he was and I'd, I'd not caught up with it. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to get my fil- my hand on every film that he's made so I can, so I can uh, uh, look at it further. And, and, and actually, I'll contradict myself and say that one of the things that, 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 that I, I realised after the first five or six minutes is that it reminded me of, of something that I... Uh, be- uh, a thing that I used to watch uh, some years ago, um, films by Patrick Keeler, such as Robinson in Space, which I absolutely adored. So already uh, there's that there, and then there's the fact that his daughter's in it. So I'll leave it there and let you uh, start with uh, with <laughs> things about uh, the film and maybe, I imagine, the placement of his daughter. Right. Well, I'll start, because I've, I've been watching his films for since Galavan, which is about 25 years ago. Yeah, uh, and I was a big fan of Galavan. I think Galavan was, was an exceptional film in, in, in its use, inclusion of of kind of disability slash learning disability that I thought was quite radical. I, I would say, I suppose the thing I would say is, is it's not a conventional film in any sense, and if you're not used to watching this, it will seem very difficult to watch uh, unless you've had that, like you've talked about the. Uh, the Keeler films that you watched in the past, and yeah. uh, and there's others like Derek Jarman, and he mentions yeah, Derek Jarman particularly, all of those kind of things. And if you're not used to watching them, I think you'll think, "Oh my God, this is just shit," uh, because it is, <laughs> because it is very different. You know, it, a lot of it's not in focus; you can't necessarily hear it all. There's different formats used. You know, eight millimeter f- photographs. Uh, kind of archive it's all thrown in there uh, and the the audio is as important as the visuals and it, and in a way it's unfair to call it a film it's actually a work of art that's exploring so many things i think there is a i think there is a problem with the work uh, in the sense the latter work in that i think my personal view is in watching Andrew Cotting's films, it is an attempt to give his daughter, who has a learning difficulty, meaning and, and a kind of a value of existence via trying to give meaning and value to other things like the whale box, you know, returning it to the earth about life, existence, death, you know, Andrew Cotting, he has no religion. He is an existentialist by and large, he says himself in the various interviews. And and I do have a problem with that to some extent, that it that it is it is about him, not her particularly. But again, that's perhaps me wishing it to be a different film. I think that there's too many things in it for it to be accessible. 
Why should any art, work of art be accessible to everybody? It doesn't need to be, and I don't even believe it should be. But actually, if you're going to do a kind of thing that you want to get out there, I think there is an issue of accessibility to the ideas and the content that, it, that makes it slightly problematic. Equally, I, I have a problem with outsider art and how that is used by non-disabled people i have a big problem with that and he he andrew cotting does see his daughter within that kind of narrative outside of art or art brute that i that i do see as incredibly problematic given that for example disability art which is kind of art by disabled people that has a kind of political consciousness to it and articulation is being eradicated and destroyed by funders and the mainstream in preference for what it calls outsider art, which is that notion of, of the disabled kind of savant being closely linked to nature and innocence and all of those kind of things. And they're all deeply problematic issues that a film about that to some extent, which this is, and the kind of the kind of uh, the ex he, he calls it an aesthetic, an atheist searching for signifiers, and they're just all over the place. And, and so I think that's deeply problem. I really did like this film, and I think there's so <laughs> many things in there that are really good, but I do, I do have a core problem deep down about that element of it, particularly. Uh, some of that. Yeah. So yeah. Miro. Your turn. Oh. Well, no, I'm, ha I'm happy for, to, if you want to respond first, Alison. To... <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I disagree with, with some of what you say, although I, 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 do, I, I do get the problem of um, um, outsider art and funding to artists and those structures. I, I, think, I think, you know, clearly you, you know, as much about that as anybody does and i think i think you're spot on with that and uh, partly your 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 uh, one thing that i've taken from that i may be reading it wrong is i can see how somebody like uh kirk curtin could can be seen uh a bit like the way um um parents uh um, uh, um in disability studies, um, I take you know do do occupy rather a large place in disability studies, and I I can see that the that's that's uh, can can be problematic in several ways, all at the same time essential. Um, the one the thing that I disagree with is uh, that um, I'm probably going to quote you wrong here, so you can correct me straight away. Uh, you 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 I think it's a matter of reading. You're saying that uh, he he's kind of look looking to her to to make to, to make meaning of her for for the audience and i don't i don't feel that at all uh with it i i i actually do um do think uh, as i think some others do that um his daughter Eden is he uses like a, 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 a muse she's his muse much like Tilda Swinton was for Derek Jarman um, uh, so I don't think I, I think you know like I said it may be an interpretive thing but I I think 
I think he wants to share with the world what he sees in his daughter. But, and, 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 and I recognise what you say about the signifiers, uh, but I don't I, I don't see it in such. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel there's a kind of use of it going on. I think the pride and love is is. Uh, that, that Sean is immense and I think it changes the narrative completely even if I do agree with the fact that for some people this film will be inaccessible I'll, I'll shut up now no 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 never shut up but uh I, I, no, but I would agree with you I think he is doing that but I think I, I think I'd probably say that's what I find problematic in the sense that because he is doing that he wants everybody to like you say see the love he has for his daughter so that they can have it as well but I think it it, it transcends that to be a kind of an attempt to validate the meaning of her existence, which, again, I I don't necessarily have a problem with, but I think it if he's an existentialist, there is no meaning in any of our lives. All life is pointless. And, and it doesn't have the politics, to some extent, to make it that much more powerful than it that I think it could be if that was in there. You know, you know, one of the problems in watching his films for me is, is I I don't believe in the mysticism and the uh, the kind of uh, the kind of spiritualism and the not spiritualism in that kind of talking. About I, I think he called it the the, the the you mean things like what he called this uh, in the Q and A called a sonic ontology. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I I to me I don't have any of that and, and of course that is a problem in watching a film like that you know like you know like even the kind of he says you know once he he got the box and understood it it has a power and a, and a kind of mysticism no it doesn't you're giving it that and actually i think it would be better to have an exploration of giving it that and there's a lot of that attempt to kind of give meaning to things that have no meaning and and I include him doing that to his daughter as well, and to himself, and to the objects around him, and that isn't particularly existentialist to me. So, that's that's so, more of he says he's 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 searching for signifiers. There just are no. Before speaks, can I just say uh, very quickly that I think that this, uh, even though. Um, I, I kind of get some of what you're saying and I kind of both disagree and agree at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's come at a particularly particularly significant cultural moment in that um, it does it does bring up um, possibly ambiguous but questions about uh, the post-anthropocene and I think that's really quite um, significant at the moment, <clears throat> although yeah. you know that this is coming obviously. And what do you mean by that anthropocene? Well, the the kind of melding together uh, uh, within the film uh, of of um, of her of of the people who are journeying um, and uh, and of 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 the, uh, the 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 human animal interactions yeah. and uh, w what we assume of them, how they're changing, where those might go, and I think that's I, I mean it's a coincidence, but it, it, for me that. They did actually that kind of um, those kind of characteristics you're talking about uh, and that hauntology that he described actually um, um, did did seem particularly profound at, at this um, in the middle of the uh, the COVID crisis really. Yep, Miro, you are 
you don't tend to watch films like this. Is that fair to say? Yeah, this, this is this is new to me. Um, so, so, so as someone who's sort of seeing this kind of film for the first time, what what was your take? No, I thoroughly enjoyed the film, and I would be interested to have a look at his, his catalogue. Um, what I what I thought was clear was the immense love and affection that he has for his daughter. And I think you saw that right at the very beginning when, um, although it's not it's not his it's not his voice, but there's questions around uh, the love for the for for uh, for for the for the person that his daughter is, and he even got, and, and and you see like the, in terms of the, the 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 language and 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 the meaning of the words at the beginning, you know, almost like the love for the leaky body, the you know the body that's not usually seen as being uh, <laughs> affectionate, you know, you know the bodies that are usually disposable or or disregarded, and I and I saw that as a re- reinforcement of you know disabled people. Um, you know we lo- you know we should love disabled people, and we should question why we why we why we consider people to to be um, intolerable or or disgusting on the basis of how their bodies function and 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 um, and behave. So I so I thought so I thought that was kind of the, the, kind of a really stark moment right at the begin very beginning. I think yeah, and as an existential nihilist, you know, I, I don't I didn't buy into any of the, the kind of the, the the mystical nature of the box or anything like that. But it I think there was you know there was this question this the emphasis of the film for me was. The, it was the importance of different levels of interpretation, and you saw that not just within yeah. his friends who were trying to make sense of the box, trying to make sense of their journey uh, and the meaning of it, but you also saw that with what I thought was, uh, what I think was audiences' interpretations. So, you know, you had you had a, a couple of people on the just their voices, and I and I think my, again I might be wrong, but I think they. That they were trying to make sense of what they were seeing, and they were asking questions about: Is the gun real? Does the gun act? You know, it, it, you know what is that? Is that an angel? Is that somebody who's trying to hunt something? Yeah. Uh, you know, where's the power? So it, it was, and again, you you also have that clue when they're in the museum, and that that there's that um, uh, reference to multivariance valency, and the, the, you know, so it's again, it's question that the different levels of interpretation in in terms of what he is set out to make in terms of capturing what his daughter is is seeing and making sense of then is being produced through his his interpretation but then it also requires the audience for you to listen to what the audience think of of the interpretation and then leaves you with your own position of trying to make sense of 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 the story and indeed the the the, the meaning of it and again i think that comes back to the question of you know is there meaning to be taken from it and i think what the director is doing is, is he's leaving that up to you to decide whether you take meaning from it or, or not um, and and so that's what that's what really stuck out for me. I mean, I've got other points, but I'll, yeah. Well, I'll I, I, I I'll shot in there, and I, I think the the thing in the uh, the kind of the museum where it, the voiceover talks about uh, multivalency, I think that to me is the key bit of the film that explains what it's all about. I think you know when when we when we're reading books in academia and you're supposed to pick out that one phrase that yeah. the entire essence that 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 did that with that particular moment. And, 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 I, and again, <clears throat> it is an exceptionally good film. I'm not, I'm not criticising that at all. I it's think I, really funny as well was that, that, that with her in, in that gallery. I, I, I actually found it really funny. I, I think, I think, uh, but what about, I think. I just, mean, just I, on, just sorry, just, Paul, just come back on that. I think that is really key, that part, because what it also states is the is the way in which we occupy different positions at the same time? It got yeah. me thinking of almost you know kind of Foucauldian ideas of power in in terms of the you know re- resistance and oppression can be 
experience at the same time. And indeed, for one to exist, there needs to be the other position as well, which we may occupy. So I, I thought that, yeah, I absolutely agree with you, that, 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 that idea of how do we understand where we are, but also thinking about where we may also, the other, the other areas of our, of our thought process or our interpretation and how we may occupy those different positions in order to make sense of the totality of the experiences that we're having. And I think, and I think that was quite key as well in another part of the film where they talk about the distinguishing between humans and animals, again, linking into, into Allerton's point. You know, they talk about how, how do you distinguish between uh, when they make sense of the whale and they say, well, it's, you know, the idea of death when it becomes when you when it's possible to kill the whale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that was quite interesting, particularly not, not saying that the film did this, but as a disability studies scholar, I then thought about, well, how do we distinguish between ourselves and, and each other? And actually, the idea of death is, 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 is inherent within our distinction of ourselves because we, of course, you know, determine uh, worth and value on the basis of who we decide to see as disposable and not. And, of course, we see animals as disposable in a sense of some of us will kill them, kill them to eat them and therefore their worth only comes from that. And yeah. I think it's similar for disability as well in terms of we, we allow disabled people to exist on the basis of they may provide something to us, cultural signifiers, metaphors, or indeed so, you know, li- limited examples of work. But at the same time, we can dispose of people when, we're, when they're not seen to, um, to be useful. So again, I think those narratives, those lines of thought that were going through the film in terms of interpretation and trying to make sense of who we are and how we dif- differentiate ourselves either from each other or from animals, I think is, is, is really key there. So did you did you feel though that in the kind of experimental film genre that this 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 was a good way to do that and that it achieved that with a considerable degree of success? I don't think it was, but I, I wouldn't describe it as an experimental film. I th- it started out, it felt like that, but I I didn't feel it was that experimental. But maybe working with different definitions. Uh, well, in the sense that it's it's not conventional. Let's put it; it's a non-conventional. That's true, true, true enough. Sorry to sorry, sorry to be pedantic. No, no, no. Because I think you know, experimental would be a lot more challenging than this. Uh, I, and this I, does I, have a this does have a fairly well-defined narrative, which often uh, structuralist or a lot of experimental sure, sure. films don't. So you're you're right to pick me up. No, I mean, for for me, for me, it's a, you know, my, one of my barometers is that do I think about a film afterwards? And for most films, I finish watching it, turn it off, leave the cinema, and then don't really think about it ever again. But you know, this made me think about it. You know, I was thinking about it when I woke up in the morning, and I, I imagine I'll be thinking about it for the next, for the, at least for the next couple of weeks. So, so in that way, it does challenge me to reflect on our idea of who we are. Are we in a permanent state of becoming? Um, to kind of you know look at that. The new materialist uh, perspective on on understanding the world, yeah, is that that sense of we are always becoming. I think that was that's what I will be thinking about. That's what I'll take away from the film. That idea of perhaps there is no beginning or end. You know, the the box mysteriously appears, yeah, um, and then they, of course they bury it, and then in the Q and A afterwards, you find out that the box then appears. I think if I read it correctly, in a museum later on. Yeah. So it's it's always that sense of what I thought the director was doing was he was trying to emphasise that that notion, that ontology of there is, you know, the way, the way, the way to make, make sense of the world is that we are always becoming. There is no way to understand where we begin and where we end. And in fact, that also links into later on in the film as well. I thought when they talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the awareness of structures and when we die, what's our, 
what does death provide us with? Well, actually, it still requires us to do something when we think about death, because it, death doesn't mean the end. It means that we are then reflecting on or being prompted by the notion of death to think about what's what you know what you know are we are we part of something bigger? Are we part of something grander? Of course, I, I think the key thing is that there's no answer to that, and I think that's where that's where the that's where the, that's what's really good about the film is it doesn't it doesn't ram down the throat no. the idea of yeah. of spirituality or hauntology as as we've said you know, it leaves it out. You know, you have one character who um, oh, I think is his friend. Who talked? Who is deeply committed to the idea of, of you know, of of the mystical nature? But when I'm watching it as an existential nihilist, I'm thinking, well, actually, the idea of death does prompt me to think about something what I'm becoming. Yeah. But it, it, it but it makes me realise that I'm not part of something grander, and and therefore for others it will do. And 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 again, it it's a it's a dialectic that comes from that. The way that we need to continue discussing those ideas of interpretation and how we make sense of ourselves and ourselves within the existing structures. Of society and and also about the very nature of film because he does use a lot of uh, audio from very successful mainstream contemporary films like sunset boulevard for example and actually he's getting you to question what film is it at the same time which i i think is one of his strengths is yeah. is to get you to explore your notion of what you're actually watching and how it's constructed and he often reveals how he's constructing it and playing with it the nature of the image the nature of the sound that goes with it uh, well, I, it's all, it's sorry. It, it's yeah. also, I think, yeah, you know, it's it's an attempt to to make indistinguishable indistinguishable what is real and what is imaginary. Um, so it's almost playing with those ideas of objectivism and 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 the subjectiveness, or indeed idealism and the material, because you know you you have this question of well, you know, do we do we directly interact with our imaginations and and the intentions that come from our imaginations or or you know is there a need to in order to explore the subjective nature of our ideas uh, as a way to then find commonality and 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 a shared experience with with others and i suppose that the you know the significance that he plays on his daughter in that question around objectivity and subjectivity is that his daughter is the gatekeeper she you know, well this is how i interpret it she was the gatekeeper in terms of she she allowed for that exploration of the imaginative and the questions that come from sure. determining, you know, in this kind of forest area, which is, which is not really, we not really understood where that is. We're not really understood what the, what the nature is, what she's hunting. If indeed she is hunting, what is she looking for? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that, so therefore he places the significance of the daughter. Uh, and again, we can question whether disability has a significance in that as well. That idea of, you know, again, going back to Paul's point about kind of, uh, you know, Art Bruce, the, the uncloudedness around that's usually framed around those issues. You know, the idea that his daughter is therefore the gatekeeper to that exploration of the of what is real and what is imaginary. Yeah, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think that was done marvelously, and I think you've articulated it very well, Miro. I think he's articulated it excellently. But what I, but it, I, what I would say is is that I, I again coming back to the outsider art, art brute kind of notion that I think. Uh, and again, if you read around the stuff and the kind of work that he does, his daughter does, and and with him, etc., this this notion of that kind of uh, genre of art as as people with learning difficulties as having insight into the natural, into nature, into innocence, is a cliche in itself. And I, the problem with this film for me is it doesn't question that at all 
in the sense that I know I, the multivalency kind of stuff allows you to interpret that, but I was left with his, with the feeling that he has an absolute belief in that, which is is a kind of a generalised view of people with learning difficulties that I think is unhelpful and unproductive. But, but, sorry, to play devil's advocate, I mean, A, that's kind of not on his agenda. His, his agenda, as he said, is to get his daughter on film. Um, uh, his own, you know, more selfish agenda is that. Um, but I, I think also, um, even though I would, I would agree with you in in refusing that that kind of stereotype. Um, at, at, at the same time, um, I think it, in in some ways it's not particularly about people with learning disabilities being closer to nature it's about us being further away from nature and and forgetting it constantly constantly forgetting that constantly shoving that away so in some ways i think there is a, a slight case for for i know i'm kind of arguing something that's on fairly unsafe ground here but i think there's a slight case for actually pointing out that 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 some people with learning difficulties, not all people with learning difficulties, but some people with learning difficulties, like my sister was, for example, is mm. so far away from uh, the cultural world that we construct that 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 that, that binary then becomes uh, and that stereotype becomes doubly uh, problematic. If you see mm. what I mean, yep. you see what I mean. I do, I do, and I agree. And I, I, I think I, I suppose it's that whole note, like you know, we're talking about biodiversity. And often biodiversity excludes the variance within humanity. Uh, and that's a very, very big problem. Yeah. How, you know, uh, the, the kind of biodiversity within humanity is is gradually narrowing uh, literally day by day. Uh, and I think, you know, there is that in there. And I, and I don't have a problem within it, within it, within itself. But I think within that multivalency, there should have been an opportunity to question that a bit more within the narrative as an artist, as as Andrew Cotting is, uh, the, than I think was there. But again, excellent film. I'm glad it was made. I think it says a lot, explores a lot. Any other comments from the pair of you, uh, Alison? The, the, there was, um, I don't know if you had this, Mira or Paul, uh, but there are certain images that keep coming back to me from the film. And one of them, strange, I mean, you know, that, that I imagine that kind of nearer to nature, magical quality is, is when she, she has the gun, for example, with, with the headdress on. Um, but one that keep that keep that I keep remembering, and I never thought that I'd see such a a beautiful image constructed of these things given what our culture delivers up to us but i remember us standing with a zimmer frame looking out yeah and, and i just had chills and it was it was just an extraordinary image and and just utterly beautiful mm. uh and, and it keeps coming back to me in those ways i, I have to say it's one of the uh it, it's probably the Happiest three hours that I spent in the last month is watching that film and listening to Q&A. I, I did find it had a beauty to it, regardless of whether you like the uh, the, the more mystical existential elements to the film. Miro? Mm -hmm. No, I, I think, well, the, the last thought I had was was around, um, but yeah, just thinking about what Alison was saying about the images, one image that came to me was you know, the image of the, of the living whale when it was beached. Um, and then obviously waiting for it to die and, and, and cutting it up. And I thought what was quite significant about that, again, from a disability studies critique, is that idea of, of, um, of necropower and 
you know, did, you know, individuals with power and authority determining what should happen to the individuals, and then, and then pass, possibly through the inactivity that they take, they allow they they allow or determine who should die. Of course, that that speaks a lot to the issues surrounding yeah. disabled people's community, and I thought that was mirrored in the life of the whale as well. You know, in terms of you, and you see it now in contemporary images as well when you see animals that are struggling. Uh, in terms, for example, when a whale is, be you know, is, is beached, and it's the question of you know, do, do you you know you you perpetuate it, it's it's suffering by not doing anything and just kind of standing around and almost looking at it from a point of view of of curiosity and voyeurism um yeah. and i thought that so i thought there were some real uh resemblances between how they were exploring the significance of the whale and what that's what that means in the context of of the disabled people's um community and i think again you know just going back to that issue as well about disposable bodies and, and, and the kind of negative power. I thought another issue that another time that that was reinforced was when they were taking the um, the poems by by uh, Bunting. You know, the idea of uh, existence is, 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 is seen as a problem. You know, every life is a crime. And again, it, it, it reinforced that, that question of how we see certain people's existence as being deviant, as being problematic. Um, one could argue, you know, in the case of the whale, um, you know, therefore we have to then place resources on either trying to keep the whale alive or to do something about the whale, and eventually that becomes uh, you know, a commodity in the sense of creating art from it um, and and producing artifacts yes. from the existence of the whale. But again, you can see like, you can see that within the context of disability, um, you know, in terms of questioning that whether certain people should be living and the burden that places, and even within the context of the coronavirus, you see that being played out in determining and rationing services. So. Perhaps you know the, the the position of 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 um of his daughter uh, is is to try to bring those two worlds together as as a gatekeeper of that knowledge of questioning how we see the curiosity of 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 this you know of this creature in terms of the whale and how we may think about ourselves either as individuals part of a of a broad society or as specific communities and the way that we 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 determine the worth of certain communities. Brilliant. I think we'll end it there because we don't want to bore the listener too much as we've done over an hour. So uh, thank you, Alison. Thank, thank you, you Miro. Cheers. And listen to the next one.